David Versailles, a former second Dining Karate and also a Scottish champion, a British Championship runner-up and an Irish Open champion and a former Scottish internationalist who went to two European Championships and a World Championships. Takes you on a journey of different martial arts throughout the Martial Arts Centre podcast, researching and learning as he goes about other martial arts, along with chatting to instructors. He hopes you enjoy the Mac Podcast series. Hello and welcome to the Martial Arts Centre podcast. I'm your host, David Forsyth. And on this episode, I will be speaking about karate, where it came from, and it being in the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. Well, should have been, but due to the pandemic, the Olympic Games have been delayed till 2021. I will be letting you know the two disciplines that will be on show at the Olympics, along with the categories. I will also have a previous interview that i done with my old sensei, Six Dan Jim Ross. So, karate, the Japanese word for empty hands, was born in the Okinawan Islands as a form of self-defence, at a time when weapons were banned from invading Japanese forces. It began as te, which means hand, a fighting style used by the natives of the Ryukyu Islands, and was later influenced by Chinese Kenpo, introduced through the Chinese families that settled on Okinawa after trade relationships between China and the islands were established. From three Okinawan cities, each closely spaced, but with very different societal demands, three separate styles emerged. Shurite, Nahate and Tamarite. Collectively, these styles were called Okinawate, or Toad, which means Chinese hand. And over time, styles merged slightly to become just two. Shirunru, developed near Shure and Tamari, and Shuriru, near Naha, Although very little is known of the origins of karate before it appeared in Okinawa, but one popular theory states that it came from India over a thousand years ago, brought to China by a Buddhist monk called Bodhidharma. As legend describes it, Bodhidharma arrived in Shalinsi and began teaching Zen Buddhism as well, a style of temple boxing-based exercises designed to strengthen the mind and body. The historical accuracy of this legend is still a hot issue of debate today. Karate is taught all around the world and though it is often modified and always changing, four distinctive Japanese styles have emerged. Kujiru, Shitaru, Wadaru and the style I done when I was younger, Shotokan. So now I think this is the best time to hear from my old sensei, Jim Ross. I started karate in 1975. What keeps you doing karate? Obviously the love of the sport, it's a sport that I've been doing for so long now and it's in your blood I suppose, I've competed for a long long time, I've coached for a long long time, it's not something that you just walk away from. Um, it's, just a de- it's just a passion I suppose, it's a passion, it's a desire to see people improve and still go to competitions and things so I just enjoy it, I just love the sport, I love the game, I love putting something back into it. Um, and basically that's it. Uh, what disciplines are in competitions? Well, you've got the non-contacts there, you've got what they call kata, which is um, patterns, it's shapes that the, the, the kids 
memorised for gradings and then you've got the higher grade catas which are used for competition and it's, it's mapped uh, at competition level and then you've got the committee which is the combat side which is the fighting side which we are more interested in so you've got the two main aspects for competition the non-contact side and the contact side do you have any of your own fighters from your club in the Scotland squad? At the present moment in time, we've got three, four, four in the Scotland squad. What does it mean for karate to be in the 2020 Tokyo Olympics? It should have been a massive step. It should have been a huge step. I mean, any introduction to the Olympics is done as a, a demonstration sport, and karate was just a demonstration sport. We weren't going to have the full WKF committee. Uh, sections, but it was a start, it was a stepping stone in the right direction. And then, unfortunately, for whatever reason, we haven't been successful for 2024, so we're only going to get one go at it at the present moment in time. Um, so, what benefits Karate will get is anybody's guess. Um, it's unfortunate because I think just now Karate is probably as dynamic a sport as it's ever been. Um, there's so many good, strong fighters, male and female, from right across the world, different nations that you wouldn't really associate with karate, have got phenomenal fighters. Um, and some of the skills that these people have got is, is outstanding. And if, if, it, if, it was, if it flourished the way it should do, or the way it can do, it would have been a, a, fantastic, um, a fantastic addition to the Olympics. But unfortunately, we're only going to get Tokyo for the time being. We don't know what the future holds. So for anybody either starting off in karate or looking to start getting into the sport, um, maybe next year is maybe a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to see it at the top of its game. Without a doubt. Um, and again, it depends how much television coverage karate gets. It could well be the last Olympics, things like Taekwondo, they weren't always on the mainstream channels, they were on the red button and things. So it depends how much people watch these channels, the BBC 3s and the BBC Sport channels. It depends. Um, it, it could well be that we get very little TV coverage. If we don't get a lot of TV coverage, then it'll have little or no impact. If we get a bit of TV, a good bit of TV coverage, then who knows? You know, people might look at it and think, wow, I want a shot of that. I would like to think so. I would like to think so. There was, a, there was a, the Youth Olympics in Argentina last year and it got a bit of coverage in the BBC iPlayer and things. And I know that people looked at it and were genuinely surprised how quick and how fast and how agile these people were. And I think we did get a little bit of feedback from it. I, I personally thought at the time we got a few people in because of it. So I would like to think if it was the Olympics, we get a little bit more coverage and maybe me, maybe more people will think, well, I'll give it a shot and see what happens. But we'll just have to wait and see. Is there any British fighters currently on route to go to the Olympics? There's two people who can still qualify. There's one more tournament in Paris in March. And there's two kids, one Scottish girl, a girl called Amy Connell, and an English fellow, Joe Kelly, who can... What's the word? They're not guaranteed. They're far from guaranteed. But they could still realistically qualify. It's probably a big ask at this moment in time. Um, the girl from Scotland, Amy, she won a bronze medal at the European Championships in March 
and Gwazda Harris Senior European Championships. So she's she's certainly capable. And if she gets a good draw and gets a wee bit of luck, who knows, maybe she could make it. But it's outside chances, I would think, at the present moment in time. It's outside um, chances. But if they make it, great. They would, they would be, they would be the, probably the first and only senior Olympians for a long time to go and represent Britain. But I think realistically, we're talking about outside chances at the minute. Outside chances. If you were to get more people into karate, what would you tell them? Probably the same as I'm telling them just now. Basically, teach two styles of karate. We teach Shotokan karate, which is a, a traditional, a traditional Japanese karate. But that's for grading purposes. That's to get their belts. And then we teach competition sport karate, which is for competitions, obviously, for winning medals. Like a lot of clubs, we do grading work maybe five, six weeks before a grading. And then the rest of the time, it's all competition. Unlike a lot of clubs, I've only got two gradings a year. Most clubs have got three or four gradings a year. I've only got, I've cut it right back to two gradings a year. I've won in the summer and one in the winter. So we spend a lot of time doing competition stuff. Um, but... That's what I would tell them. There's, they start off, we have to teach them basic skills, so that's the stuff that they do for their gradings. And then once they've picked that up and they, they've, they're competent enough, we then start to introduce them to the sports side. And then gradually we introduce them to competitions and then take it from there. And we see if they flourish or if it's not for them. But um, I would tell them once they get to a certain level, you know, look, look at the people we've got going to international levels. There's people going all over the world to compete at international level, whether it be Scotland or whether it be us, because we still go to international opens, whether it be Holland or Switzerland or Belgium or whatever. So there's opportunities to go out and, and travel to big competitions, but it, it's something that tends to happen when they become more established. At the very beginning, get them hooked in karate, get them enjoying karate first of all, and then from there we try and encourage them to go and compete. Karate's quest to secure a place in the Olympic programme dates back to the 1970s. I can remember my coaches talking about karate, trying to get into the Olympics when I was competing for Scotland in the sport in the early 2000s. And I was never lucky enough for it to happen. Although I missed out, martial artists around the world have one thing in common. They all know where the martial arts mecca is, the Nippon Budokan in Tokyo. It's considered the heart of these disciplines and the main destination for martial arts practitioners and enthusiasts. Karate is celebrating the designation of the Nippon Budokan as karate venue for the Tokyo Games, as the debut of the ancient modality in the Olympic Games could not have found a better home to see its Olympic dreams come true. The sport will come full circle in the Nippon Budokan as it's hosted the first Karate World Championships in 1970, and just over 50 years later it will also host its very first Olympic competition. The Nippon Budokan is located in Kitanomura Park in the centre of Tokyo and holds 15,000 spectators. So for two days, Karate will use the arena to carry out its Olympics activities, divided into two specific categories, Kata and Kimiti. Kata has two categories, which is simply male and female, whereas Kimiti has three weight categories for male, which are minus 65 kilos, minus 75 kilos, and over 75 kilos. And the female categories are minus 55 kilos, minus 61 kilos, 
and over 61 kilos. So according to the World of Karate Federation, the ability to compete in the Tokyo Games will be given to all karate practitioners in the world, as long as you follow the rules and regulations of the WKF. All competitors will need to be selected somehow, because there's only place for 80 people to compete in the Games with 20 in kata and 16 committee, divided into 50-50 for male and female. The selection process will be based on a world ranking that will take into account some of the biggest tournaments in the world, and they will be decided by the WKF. So with this in mind, there might not be any more chances after Tokyo Games because the, at the moment, karate has only been accepted for this Olympics. So if it is to be a regular event at the Games, it would have to be proposed and accepted for future Olympics. So I hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Martial Arts Centre podcast. I've been your host, David Forsyth. Keep an ear out for the next Mac podcast to find out what journey we take next. Until then, keep training and goodbye.